We're going to make our confession because God is not finished with us yet. He's got great things in store for each and every one of us. And he's going to expand our race, expand our vision, and show us those things to come. And then he's going to say, all you got to do is do what I say. I'll cover you with everything else. That's it. It's a heck of a deal. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Let's say amen and thank God. Now for the oldie but the goodie. I love it. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it is just that simple. You all can be seated. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Patricia, someday can we bring in here, I would love to show it, your two dogs watching television. Could you do that? Lovey and something else. And Gracie, love you and Gracie. She had, how many of you have seen it already on the internet? On, is it on Facebook or where'd you put it? It's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Oh, nobody's seen it. Great. Okay. Work it out with uh, somebody here. <laughs> Morgan. Morgan will take care of it. She, it's, it's the cutest video of two golden retriever puppies watching television. Oh, it is just precious. It'll probably go viral if it ever gets up there on, on YouTube. But good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You are in the right place. And as I was praying about this message today, I had three or four messages going off inside of me. And if you've been in the ministry for 40 years, teaching, sharing, preaching, doing whatever, it's pretty easy to get a message. The question is, is it the message for the moment that God wants to be shared? And so sometimes I struggle with that, and I had two or three messages, and even yesterday afternoon I was still working on a message. It didn't feel right. The message was fine. There's nothing wrong with the message, but it just didn't feel like it was the right thing. And I just really sometimes complain to God when that happens sometimes because it's like, God, I like great clarity, and here it is, and I'm all done, and now I can go do something else and get ready for the service and all of that. And, and, but, but anyway, it just would not leave me that I didn't have the right message. And then, all of a sudden, it just dropped into my spirit. And the word is, the prodigals are coming home. Let's all say it. The prodigals are coming home. And I thought, well, Lord, that's a great title. Now, what is the message and what is it that we're supposed to do? Because when you look at the world today, it is getting darker and darker and darker. We are no question living in the book of 2 Timothy, where people will be lovers of selves. Uh, they'll be haughty. They will be doing their own thing. They'll be moving their own direction. How many of you realize this is not the world we live in today is not the world you grew up in? It has changed, and it has changed, and, it, and it's going in a way that it's a demonic pull. It's getting darker and darker and darker, but we were told that would happen. So it was like we have been forewarned by God for what is going to happen. And Paul told us in Timothy, Jesus told us about that. So if you get your eyes on 
all of the things that are negative that are going to happen, then you too can start to become a little negative and judgmental yourself. If you get your eyes on what God has spoken to us, that we are going to be prepared with the answer for all of the situations and circumstances that are going to come, and that we're going to be ready with the answer for the people as to what they need. And if you study... 2 Timothy chapter 3 especially, it will really tell you what's happening in these last days. We're not going to change what's going to happen. God said this is what's going to happen. But it does say that the man and woman of God in 1 Timothy chapter 3 at the very end and in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says the man and woman of God will be thoroughly prepared for every good work and that we will be ready to encourage, to exhort, to edify, and to reach out to people and bring them into the Lord, and that we'll be that bright light in a dark world. Let's talk, you know what? That's not hard to do today. Tell your neighbor, it's not that hard to do. It, to be a bright light in this dark world is not that difficult, because wherever the darkness gets darker, the light of Jesus will get brighter and brighter. It's no different than going out into the woods and it's totally black. You've got a flashlight, you have something that's going to dispel the darkness because of the brightness of your light. And that when you've got Jesus in you, then we have the answer for the world. And we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 15, because it's the story of the prodigal son and really a story of the prodigal father and, and the compassion that the father had. And uh, I, I shared this with Pam. I said, I may have you share a word up here, Pam, if you feel led, but th there is no one that I know that has any more compassion than my wife. Sometimes I just shake my head, and I just, I, I have a tendency to go from compassion to a little bit of critical thought to total judgmental. I mean, it's just like I can go, I can go in a moment's notice. And, uh, and my wife, she's just always walking with compassion. Uh, I, I sometimes don't know how she does it, and, but sometimes she will look at me when I flipped over into being critical of a situation or a little bit judgmental, and she'd just look at me and smile. And I know what she's saying. It's like, I'll be here for you when you come back to the <laughs> compassion that really needs to flow from you. And uh, I was thinking about uh, this morning, I'd always love to start with something that's humorous and something that's funny. And I don't know how humorous this is, but it's a true story. But, uh, but I had, as an example, uh, my father, who was just the most wonderful guy I knew. He, I love my dad. Uh, sometimes I come in this sanctuary and I look around. And now your pastor's not going crazy, okay? So just say he's okay. He's okay. But I can see my dad straightening these chairs. I, I can see, I come in here to be praying, and I just look around, and it's like I can see my dad straightening all of these chairs. And he was a wonderful dad. He really was. And, and I have a tendency in many areas to be like him, but in some areas I'm not like him. And uh, I flip out a little bit if things aren't going the way they should. My dad wasn't like that. And uh, I remember giving our grandson uh, a car, uh, Carter. He's, he, I love Carter. He's just a precious guy. I gave him uh, uh, my uh, Buick Park Avenue. I never thought he would want it in the first place. I think it's a young man's car, but uh, <laughs> Pam always said it was an old man's car. But 
but I had, I had this beautiful Park Avenue and I gave it to Carter and the first thing he did was went out and wrecked it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't real excited about that. I wanted him to know it was okay that I loved him still, but, you know, <laughs> that was my car. It was a pretty car, and I liked the car, and you didn't have to pay for it. I gave it to you, and you wrecked the thing. What is wrong with you, boy? <laughs> and as so I was praying about this message and about the prodigal son and the prodigal father, uh, it was like the Lord just gave me this vivid example of when I turned 16. And when I turned 16, my dad took me out. Back then, you didn't have to have the... A law permit, you just went down and got your license. And uh, it was uh, just before the dark ages. And, uh, <laughs> and so I went down and got my license at 16. And, you know, I didn't know much about driving. Dad had shown me how to drive, but that was all you, you know, that was it. And so I got my license, and, and Dad bought me a 1946 Chevy. It's a beautiful car. He just gave it to me. He said, pay me $20 a month or so. I don't remember what it was. I don't even know if I ever paid him. But, but it was a beautiful car at the time. 19, he had a beautiful 1954 Chevy, uh, just a gorgeous, gorgeous car. I loved it. My dad always took care of cars. And so I had a date this night. And uh, I just turned 16, had my new license, and, and I said, Dad, can I borrow your car? Sure, son, sure. You know, kind of, he didn't say it like this, but whatever's mine is yours. You know, he just, sure, you can drive my car. Well, I went out on a gravel road. had never driven on a gravel road before. Can't be that hard. <clears throat> well, it is if you come around a curve too fast, slide, and hit the edge of a bridge. And the first thing I did with my dad's new car, a beautiful car, wasn't brand new, but it was pretty new, is hit the side of the bridge, knocked the side of the bridge off, flew down into the creek, and the car slid out over the side. Now, some of you probably heard this story before. Car slid out over the side of the bridge. Didn't go in, just slid right there. Oh, I think I'm in trouble. And so anyway, I got out of the car. And a, a car came by the gravel road and took us to a service station, and I called my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry I wrecked your car. He said, where are you? I told him. He said, I'll be right there. And so he got a wrecker, and he came out to get the car. Now, on the phone, and when he picked me up at the gas station to go out and get the car, I told Dad, Dad, I hit the side of a bridge. I was driving too fast. I'm sorry. The car is hanging out over the side of the bridge. I told him everything. Now, my dad was concerned about me, but he was probably more concerned about his car because he really saw I was okay. But Dad always took great care of, of any car he had. I really think it's because when he came out of the Depression, never had a car. Married mom, owned a grocery store, never had a car, finally got enough money together to buy a car and pay cash and deliver groceries. And, and so he, 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 a car to him was a precious treasure from God. And so we get out there. It's about midnight. We get out of the record. We walk around. My dad's going over and starting to feel the car. And all of a sudden I hear, ah! and my dad walks off the bridge walks off the bridge, falls down into the creek, and I'm standing up there trying to see him, and he's down there laying in this. I'm thinking, this is going from bad to worse. <laughs> and so I go down, and I fish him out and bring him back up. And he's okay. He's all right. You get in the record. We go back home. I think, man, he's going to kill me as soon as I get home. The only, my only hope is my mom will be there. And we got back home. And Dad, I, I said, Dad, I am so sorry. He says, it's okay, son. Have you learned anything from the experience? My dad constantly treated me like that. And he would always say to me, 
have you learned anything? He said, have you learned anything a lot to me? <laughs> and whether I had or not, I would always say, yeah, Dad, I have. I've really learned a lot. You know, that was a loving, caring father. And I think about that when I fast forward to my grandson, Carter, and I think how I felt about that. How could you wreck a car? Well, how could you wreck a car? Well, it was really easy for me, and apparently it was really easy for him. <laughs> we have the answer for the world. And the prodigal son, we're going to read it in just a moment, but the prodigal son left home. He wanted to experience the world. How many of you have ever really wanted to experience something that after you experienced it, you realized you went the wrong direction on the road? The good news is that the road away from God also leads back to God. It's a two-way street. Everybody say, it's a two-way street. And no matter how many times you go the wrong direction, there is always the ability to turn around and come back in the right direction. Can you say amen to that? Let's read this story right now because, Pam, I really, uh, we're talking about really the compassion of a father. Certainly the prodigal son, is, and, and that's the way it's labeled in your body, but a Bible, but I, I believe it's the story of, of a prodigal father, uh, uh, the father of a prodigal son who just had nothing but love for his uh, son. And... Uh, I don't know how you do it, Pam. Uh, you, you have so much compassion for our children, for our grandchildren. And sometimes I do, I just kind of shake my head and uh, uh, wonder, can you even explain how you do it? Or do you even want to explain how you do it? Or are you wondering why I'm talking to you right now, trying to get you to come up here? Because I, I stand, uh, I truly stand, and, and I'm not trying to flatter my wife uh, at all, but I truly stand in amazement when I first met her, her compassion for people overwhelmed me. And I think I wanted what she had, but I also thought, how can anybody be like that consistently? Don't you ever just want to do what I want to do and smack somebody? Uh, I mean, uh, and, and you have been, uh, you know, when I grew up, I want to be like you. Uh, I, <laughs> Well, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, but seriously, I don't know how you do it. Uh, even to this day, I don't know how you do it. Well, um, all I can say is years ago, years ago, when the Lord took me to Tulsa for a year, um, I had a lot of uh, regret for my own decisions, and I had a lot of hurt for other people's decisions. And I was separated from my family. Um, at that point in time, my ex-husband worked with my family, so there was a season there where it was just me and my kids, and my family was over there, and it was really, really hard for me. And uh, I remember in that year, God said, I'm going to fill you with my love, and all the fear will leave. That's how the fear will leave, is you'll, be, you'll know I love you so much that you won't be afraid anymore. But the other thing was that I would learn to forgive and not be moved or changed by what other people did. And I had to let that go. And uh, I think that was the beginning of it. You know, perfect love cast out all fear. That's what it says in 1 John. I didn't know that back then. But um, 
I always struggled with feeling rejected by what people said to me. Well, then you can't really love people and forgive people and reach out to them if you feel that. So um, over the years, I don't know what it is. Now, I may have a moment where I cry or, or I, I, f I don't ever really feel angry. I, f I feel that hurt. But see, if you suffer from rejection, you don't get angry. You, you feel defeated. And so I, I had to learn to overcome that. So, you know, pretty much of over time, and I've had a few things in the last few years that I didn't think I would survive. But it was exactly like I felt back then. And so I thought, oh, same test, second time. <laughs> but it was a little harder for me to pass it. But I heard the Lord say to me, you passed it. And, you know, there are tests that we have to learn to love beyond ourselves. And uh, I think that's why he'll tell me to give people things. You know, just, I mean, I was sitting the other morning, and, and it was just like, take care of that. Take care of this. Do this. And uh, I have a little granddaughter, Molly. She's the youngest of Lori's. She's kind of the last of the Mohegans. And... Um, <laughs> I get called. I love it. I, you know, can you take Molly to school? But that means that I have to be up at six, have my hair washed, and have myself ready to go to Cracker Barrel for breakfast before she goes to school. And uh, I messed up one time this week. I got the call at night, and I didn't get to bed in time. But anyway, I, I, I know people could say, well, you're just spoiling her. But I feel like God said, no, you're not spoiling her. You're doing this for me because she's your seed. So get up, wash your hair, and get to the Cracker Barrel. And when we go, she always has to have a, a little animal thing. You know, that's $5.99 more or whatever. She's got 182 of them, I think, but most of them are my fault. And, uh, but anyway, all those little things mean something to her. And, you know, it doesn't take away from me. And I know that's a small thing, you know, because she's my granddaughter. I would do it. But when you're faithful in those things, then God will have you do it for other people that aren't your relative. And he'll have you do it for people that don't really mean anything to you. And then he'll have, it, have you do it for people that you don't really want to do it for. But in that giving and in that release, it changes their life. And so um, I thank God for... It's not something I do. It's called compassion, and it's the compassion of God. It's not necessarily what I feel because I understand how people could be upset. But I want to give you the last scripture, and I didn't get to go to Mexico, but I called my friends, and I told them, please tell the men in this conference that God is turning their hearts to their children. We have to have a move of God for men to turn their hearts to their children. Um, I'm not saying women are exempt from that. I'm just saying the last scripture in Malachi when God did not speak for 400 and some years again was, and he, Jesus, will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Yeah. I believe that that's going to be a mighty move when we begin to see all the prodigals come home. And there are daughter prodigals too, but the hearts of the fathers to the children. And um, I see that in my husband. I see that in my husband for even our relatives. So I believe it's time to be looking for that, 
for the prodigals to come home. How many of you have prodigals? You, you know, they, they've gotten mixed up. They've heard words that they shouldn't have heard. And, and they've formed opinions they shouldn't have formed on both sides. And God is trying to draw those back together. How many of you have, especially you fathers, that scripture is talking specifically about fathers, but I know it's including mothers too. How many of you fathers have prodigals that are out there that are strange for you? Why don't you stand? Why don't you all stand right now? You fathers, yeah, you fathers. Now those of you that are around them, I want Pam to pray for you. The rest of you that are around them, <clears throat> I want you to stretch your hands out toward them. Uh, as your pastor, one of the hardest things for me to do over the years is to come in here and hope to see, hope to see my sons living right here in Lafayette in this church. And God said, if you'll do what I've called you to do, I'll take care of them. I know they're going to be here, but we've been here 30 years. And that sometimes, men, all of us can become a little weary and a little discouraged, but God is there for us to encourage us, to exhort us, and to edify us, and to move on with what he's called us to do, knowing this scripture and this word will not return void. Rest of you, just stretch your hand out to the men. That are Father, I thank you for all the men in this congregation, any men who might be listening to this message. I thank you, Father, that you have made a promise that you would restore what the enemy had yeah. stolen. And I thank you that you did not design fathers to be separated from sons or sons from fathers, especially sons. In Jesus' name today, I call them out of darkness, out of the thought patterns. I, I pray, Father, that the people that have been influencing them will be removed from their lives in Jesus' name and that they will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus, you said that when you saw the the people, your heart was moved with compassion, and then you sent them out. Today, we send out ministering spirits. We send out voices, people who will speak into the lives of these sons in Jesus' name, and that they will come to the Heavenly Father, and through that, they will return to their natural Father. I pray for the men here standing, that if there's things that they need to be saying and praying and doing, even doing, that they will begin to hear the voice of the Father and that that restoration will begin in the name of Jesus. I bind guilt and condemnation and words that have come against the men that are standing here and men who may be listening. In Jesus' name, the devil is a liar. He is a thief. We all make mistakes, but that does not change the will and plan of God. And we loose the power of God to bring healing and wholeness into every one of these situations in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Word of God will not return void. We're going to look in the book of Luke. You know, Pam, you said something else to me one time. I don't know if you can remember it, but if you can, I'd like for you to share it. It's so powerful. Something happened. And I said something too quickly, 
and uh, uh, I shouldn't have said it. And you just looked at me with that typical smile. And then you said, I refuse to let something change who I am. Do you recall that? Do you recall exactly what you said? I, I didn't write it down, but it was really powerful. Actually, I heard it right back there one day. You know, uh, when you're getting ready to lead worship, sometimes things are said or done to you <laughs> to get you off track. And I was, it just happens, you know, people who are hurting, they, they say hurting things, you know. I was hurt once. I said hurting things. But I was coming right there around that curve, and I heard, don't let the way other people are change who you are. Stay who you are. And, you know, that's the tendency to let that change us in our, who we are. Yeah, glory to God. <clears throat> Let's all say it. Nothing's going to change who I am. And we are called to be imitators of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Tell your neighbor, you are called to be an imitator of God. Now, we're going to describe a story that I believe is about what God is like and how much compassion that he has. And it's in the book, uh, the book, yep, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 11. We're going to be reading here starting out in uh, verse 15, rather. Excuse me, chapter 15, verse 11. It says, a certain man had two sons. By the way, I just said my two sons here in this church. That is, uh, I have two sons, but I have three sons in Lafayette, Indiana. We're, we're throwing John into the mix, too. John, uh, <laughs> I forgot, sorry, John. Uh, I just gave John a message last night, didn't I, honey? <laughs> a certain man had two sons, and the, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of good that falls to me. So the father divided to them his livelihood. He gave the son, which in the Jewish custom, he had a right to get one-third of what his father had in prematurely if the father wanted to do it. And not many days after, the younger son had gathered all together and journeyed to a far country where he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Can I see the hands of all the people you have wasted an awful lot of possessions in your life? with living the wrong lifestyle. I see somebody with their hands and feet raised over there. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. So then, and now he's going further and further away from the father on the road. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that company, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Oh my goodness, that was the worst job you could have, demonic forces of, of feeding the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Oh, let's read it up there. Do that a little faster so I can stay up with it. And I want to have to read it with my head down. Verse number 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? Let's stop there just for a moment. He, he came to remember what it was like in his dad's home. I grew up in a home of a father who personified love. Not everybody did. I understand that. But when you grow up around somebody that is constantly projecting love, you're never going to be repelled by that. There will always be that force 
that can drive you and bring you back to that. And that the most powerful thing that we as parents can do is to just love our children unconditionally wherever they are and whatever they're doing. My nephew, not only children, but relatives, uh, people that you meet, uh, wherever you go, the world is getting darker and darker and darker. But our mission field is getting further and further filled with people that want what we have. Tell your neighbor, people want what you have. If you're projecting love everywhere they, you go, they want that love. Just the other day, uh, Brandon and I were at Cracker Barrel going through some things, talking about them, and a lady just happened to be talking about, overheard her say something about daycare and finances that she had need of, and you know, called her over the table, and, and we said, we want to take care of that, and we gave her the money right then. This lady was busy, hustling, bustling, uh, just very into what she was doing, and all of a sudden, in a moment's time, she just began to burst into tears. She began to cry and she began to weep. Can I hug you guys? Her day was made by God because the love of Jesus went into her and that she knew, and we so said, God is doing this for you. God loves you. If people know how much God loves them, they're going to be drawn to them. Uh, I don't know why I've got my father on mind today, but I'm thinking about my dad a lot. But, but when I was a little guy uh, it, at Linwood School, the old Linwood School, uh, I was, myself and another boy had gotten into a little challenge, and I told the other boy what I thought about him. And we were in about the second grade at the time, and I used some profanity to the little boy, and the teacher heard me. That night, right after school, my dad was picking me up to take me to a circus. How many of you remember the circuses in Lafayette, Indiana? It was the highlight of the year. The circus came to town. It was the yearly event. And there's a big circus out where the mall used to be, and my dad was taking me. And that teacher grabbed me and took me to the side, and she said, you have to go tell your dad what you did. Oh, no, no, I'm going to, I didn't say this, but this is what I thought. I'm going to a circus. I can't tell my dad what I did. And uh, it, just, it just really bothered me. And so at that circus, I remember being at that circus, sitting there, and finally my dad turned to me and said, said, Billy, what's wrong with you? you? You're just really, really quiet. I said, nothing, lied. <laughs> and he said, no, something's wrong. You've got to tell me. I said, well, yeah. I said, I did something wrong today, and the teacher told me I had to tell you. I'd never want to disappoint my dad. I never want to disappoint my dad. I never want to disappoint God. I never want to disappoint Pam. I do all three. <laughs> I have learned that I can walk in love and still disappoint other people because we make mistakes. Listen, we all make mistakes. But the prodigal father is not into judging mistakes. He's into loving his children. And so, and so I, I'm sitting there with my dad, and finally I just, oh, Dad, I, I cussed the boy out today, I have to tell you. He looked at me and he said, well, did you learn anything? I thought, yeah, I never cuss around a teacher. <laughs> I didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> if you got any kids in here, don't cuss, period, okay? <laughs> I know I've shared this before, but Wanda back there likes to uh, key off of some of the things I say sometimes. <laughs> and so one day I said something in the church during a message I shouldn't have said. She makes a little plaque for my wall. By the way, I have it on the wall. I love Jesus, I just cuss a little. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your neighbor, don't cuss. 
Oh, we do have kids in here. Okay, but anyway, but anyway, my dad, I'll never forget this. Sitting there with popcorn, my dad looked at me and he said, well, did you learn anything? <laughs> so yeah, dad, I did. I did. I would never do that again. That was a lie, but I did say I would never do that again. But I try not to do that again. Now, let's get back to the prodigal. Because this is the story of a son who left his dad but knew the personality and the characteristics of his father. He, they knew how much, he knew how much his children loved him and how much the father loved him. Now, let's look. When he came to himself, he, he said, how many of the hired servants that my dad has have bread enough to spare, and I am perishing with hunger? Now he's coming to his senses. I'm going to arise. He's, he's, on, the wrong, he's, he's on the right road going the wrong direction. Let's all say, I've been there. <laughs> on the right road going the wrong direction. I said, I'm going to arise, and I'm going to go to my father, and I'll say to him, hey, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now he's making the right move. He's starting to turn around on that road. He doesn't need somebody to tell him how bad he's been. He doesn't need somebody to give him a list of do's and don'ts. Had a boy one time I was ministering to, still I'm ministering to him. The root challenge he has is his dad's lack of love and affection for him, and he's got to get over it and realize that God will fill the void that he has. And he tried to come home from a horrible situation one time where he was. I'm trying to purposely not identify who it was. And it was several states from here. And the dad said, you can come home to me, but I've got a contract you have to sign. And the contract is going to be da 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 And the boy said, he told me, he said, I could never live up to the terms of the contract. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, there's no contract with God. There's no contract that you have to sign. All you have to do is let his son come into your heart, heal your heart, take the blood and wash away all of your sins, and he's right there for you. He'll never leave the road waiting for you to come home. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I already have all that then you are a candidate to share it everywhere that you go and to take people where they are and to begin to pray for him. The man that we were with yesterday, you see him start to tear up. I've been through a situation, circumstance in his life, and we were conducting a transaction of business, and I had this message going off inside me, and I didn't really want to be there. <laughs> I, I, I was struggling with this message. Let's all say we all struggle. And we get our, our, okay, this is what I have to do. And it was one of those for me, the Saturday before Sunday. And I pull up here at the church. I'm still struggling with the message, still trying to get it all done. And Pam calls. My beautiful wife calls me. She says, hey, honey, what are you doing? I thought, ah, she wants to go for a ride or something, and I don't have time for that. And she says, I'm looking at, at something. I'm trying not to identify. I'm looking at something. Could you join me? Yes, darling, I would love to. And, and, and we got over there and looked at that thing and heard a story. And it was like a divine appointment to be able to pray for this person at that very moment that was on a road possibly going the wrong direction and just needed to know that it's okay to turn around. Everybody say, it's okay to turn around. 
There are no turn signs on the road that God has. You can do a U-turn at any time. Tell your neighbor, you can do a U-turn any time. And then it goes on to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Now, this is where a lot of people are. Go back to that just for a moment. This is where a lot of our prodigals are right now. They don't feel worthy because of what they've done. When Joe Livesey told me, you need Jesus in your life and he loves you just like you are, it was like, huh, he doesn't know what I've done. Jesus knows everything about you and God knows everything about you and he still loves you. He does not want you not to feel worthy. You are worthy of his love and affection because he created you. Tell your neighbor, God created you. God created you. He knew you before you were formed in the womb and no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of the servants. Now let's look at what this father did because he, he could have said, okay, I'm going to give you a servant's quarter over here. You've already messed up a third of my income and now you're home again and I'm going to have to take care of you again. Now I got more money to pay. He could have responded several different ways, but instead he responded exactly the way the father does. He arose and came to his father and he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now look at this. When he was still a long way off, the father saw him. I believe the father was looking down the road. I believe the father was expecting the son. I'm expecting all of our sons to be in this church. They live here in Lafayette. I'm expecting Darren. I'm expecting David. I'm expecting John because this is where they belong. And the road away always leads back. The road away always leads back. And it's never too late with God to turn around the right direction. And say, so, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth in your sight. I just read that, verse 21. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here. This is unbelievable. The fatted calf was a huge financial sacrifice. And kill it and let's eat and be merry. What else does it say? For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found, and they begin to be merry. Glory to God. Let's all say it. God is on the throne. Now, in Victory Christian Center, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I'm going to have to hurry up here. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 is the scripture that God gave us for this church to share the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus with everyone. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Where are these people today that need to be set free, the oppressed, the sick, 
the blind, they're everywhere. Everybody said they're everywhere. They're everywhere in your sphere of influence. You will come in contact with people I'll never be able to come in contact with. I'll come in contact with people maybe you'll never come in contact with in your sphere of influence. And if we're about the Father's business, imitating God as dear little children, which is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we have the answer for every person on the face of this earth. I want to say that again. We have the answer for the, every person on the face of this earth. Now let's all say it together. I have the answer, have the answer. for every person on the face of this earth. Now I want to leave you with this scripture, and it's in uh, uh, Psalms chapter 8, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and abundance in mercy and truth. Oh, glory to God. This happened to me just the other day. I was praying. I was praying for some family members. And uh, a couple of them that I knew some things they were doing that they shouldn't be doing. And I was praying and grumbling and mumbling at the same time. May I see the hands of all the people you've been there? Smack them right up the side of the head. Stick their tongue in a light socket, something. I'm going to get their blankety-blank attention. And then I got to thinking, my dad gave me that car. But I didn't even drive it. I wrecked his. And he just said, you learn anything, son? And then I turned around and wrecked mine, the 46 Chevy. I remember hitting a pole, smashing in the side of it and pulling out with my hand. Back then, you could pull it right out, pull it all out. My dad saw it. I tried to hide it, and he saw it. He said, we got to call it. What happened? I said, Dad, it was a hit and run. I found out that you can't come down Erie Street with four beers under your belt as a teenager and try to make a turn. The, the, the corner is right there where I turned and slid all the way up and smashed into a tree. I said, Dad, you don't want to call the police. It's a hit and run. It won't work. He looked at me and just shook his head like, you did it. I know you did it. And I did what any boy at that age would do. I lied. But finally, my dad did say, he said, have you learned anything? I said, yeah, I have. Well, I didn't wreck another car after that. But all of a sudden, God started showing me the things that I did. It's like, oh, God, I forgot that one. Ooh, I forgot that one. Ooh, that one could have got me killed. <laughs> that one not only could have put me in jail, I possibly could have gone a lot further in the penal institution than that one. And then it was like the Lord was saying, what did I do through all of those? I said, you just love me. What did your earthly father do? He just loved me. What is it that I'm calling you to do? Just love. The greatest gift is not just a written word of love. The greatest gift is love. And when people know how much you love them and how much compassion you have for them, they'll be drawn to you. To this day, I, I ask, this is a couple of years ago. I said, God, let me see people the way you see people. And sometimes I just want to say, God, I would just as soon stop this assignment. Because everything inside me is just weeping for them.
Compassion means that your inner parts of your body just begin to convulse. And, and you begin to see people the way God does. And yesterday, as I was coming somewhere, I forget, by Walmart, there's a lady. I was going to give her some money, and I couldn't get over to her. There's a lady on the corner, on the street corner. And I know some people say, oh, it's probably just a scam. But, you know, she looked horrible. And just, you know, money, please, stranded. And I looked at her, and I saw her. And what the Lord showed me several months ago was, what if that was your son and your daughter? And I looked at that lady, and I just began to weep. That was my daughter. I'd put her in my car. I'd take her home. I'd take care of her. And I'll end with this story because you can never stop touching people for Jesus. We had a guy I met one time at Walmart or at McDonald's, and he'd been living on the street, and he was really hurting. And I said, well, look, what can I do to help you? And he said, I just need a place to stay just for tonight. I said, okay. I know that sometimes we can be taken advantage of, but God will never take advantage of you. And everything that we do in giving to people, we're giving to God, and we're doing for God. And so I put, <laughs> I put this guy up at night's end. It's gone now. I put this guy up at night's end, and I don't follow all the forms and the paperwork here at the church the way it should. Heather knows that, for God's sake. <laughs> and uh, she's always asking for receipts. And, uh, and I, and, and, but anyway, I put him up and took care of it. I got a call the next day from Knights Inn. They said, hey, uh, this guy wrecked this room out here. You need to come out and pay for it. And I said, why would I have to pay for it? And they said, well, you got him the room. And I said, well, yeah, the room's for him, not for me. You know, I, I can't be responsible for what the guy does. I just want him to have a place. He said, it's your credit card. And you're legally responsible. Oh, crap. Not, not only do I not have any receipts, now I got a whole, whole bunch of money. Said, How much do I owe you? He said, $100. Cost $50 to get them in there. Now I got $100. Now I got $150. And I'm starting to mumble and grumble. I'm not seeing him as my son. I'm seeing him as an enemy. <laughs> Instantly, this is what I heard. Never forget it. Did you do that for me? Or did you do that for yourself? No, I did it for you. That seed was planted in that man, and it will never return void, no matter how much he destroyed that room. And he did a pretty good job of destroying that room. Now, I say all that to say this. Don't be concerned about the return of the investment of your love. We're doing it as unto the Lord. That man is a child of God, and God loves him. He's going the wrong way on the road, but someday he's going to get to that point in the road and he's going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. He's going to come to his senses and he's going to say, you know what? It was better off if I would make a U-turn and go back the way I came because my father is waiting for me. Somebody back there has blessed me. Somebody back there has loved me. And somebody back there is waiting for me. Let's all stand. I believe God's got an assignment for us. To take us, for, come on up here, honey. You got a word? Come on up here. Well, I just as listening to my husband this week. Um, many of you know this guy, but um, you know your seed that you sow can reap a harvest for eternity in other people's lives. And I just want to encourage you because 
we had a young man, Todd Marshall, who when he first came here, man, he was drinking and partying and and at the time, you know, he would he used to say to me, well, I couldn't come this Sunday because I'd been drinking all night. I said, listen, I don't care if you have drunk all night and you are drunk. You sit behind me every Sunday. Do you understand? And he was young. And uh, he goes, you want me to sit there if I've been drinking? I said, yeah, I, I've smelled it before. Sit down behind me. Well, he started coming. He, he was not very good some Sundays but he obeyed the word and he came and he sat there because you know God will give us sons the other morning I got a call from him I was on my way somewhere and I I didn't see his name but I picked up the phone anyway which I don't always do and he said this is Todd I said oh hi he is over at Purdue in a church where his son is touching young people helping in that church doing Bible studies and he goes I miss you, and he started crying. He said, I miss being there with you and Pastor Bill. I said, well, do you want to come visit or something? He said, well, I can't because I'm taking care of all these kids. <laughs> I said, that is really good. That's where you're supposed to be. But see, the love of the father, he didn't have a, a father very much in his life, but yet my husband, and because we treated him like he was one of our kids, he he obeyed everybody say obeyed he saw love and he grabbed a hold of it and now he's over in that university every sunday ministering to young especially international young people and making a difference in their life that's that's a seed that's sown so you know don't ever think that it's not going to come back because now it's multiplying and years ago, the Lord told us we would affect Purdue University. I didn't know it would be through Todd Marshall. <laughs> but praise God, he has a testimony that he can share with them that helps those young people decide there is a better way than maybe the way I'm doing it. That is one of the most powerful testimonies of Todd Marshall of anyone we've ever had on a church. Not only that, he got a wife out of the deal. He got a wife out of the deal. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Today, eternity is ahead of you. And God loves you just like you are. But he wants to take you from glory to glory. And maybe you're here and you are a prodigal. You're going the wrong direction. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have, but you've slipped away from Him, and you know you're going the wrong direction. God knows you're going the wrong direction, but God loves you, but He's calling you to turn around and come back home. And if you're here and I've described you, I want to pray for you never too late to make the turn but it is getting late and if you're here and I've described you and you say pastor my life is not right with God and I know it I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you I see your hand back there are there others you say pray for me Let's all pray this prayer right now. Jesus, 
I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you. Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that. Lord, that today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day of new beginnings. Now, I know we prayed for the fathers earlier, but I want to pray for all of you now, the moms too, that you have prodigal children out there, prodigal fathers, family members that are, have drifted away. I want you to lift your hand if that's you. You say, yeah, I got some out there. I got some out there. Now, Father, you see all of these hands lifted. Many, many prodigals, but you love every single one of them. And wherever they have drifted to, you are there for them and with them to show them the way back. And I thank you, Lord, that as we stand the gap for our prodigal children, we will not become weary, we will not become discouraged, but in the precious name of Jesus, we will stand firm with boldness, rebuking the devil in Jesus' name and loosing the love that you have given each one of us to be able to flow to that prodigal. We call them forth now in the name of Jesus. We come into agreement with you, God. We call them forth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. And everybody that agreed said, let's make this confession right now. Today, I'm calling home my prodigal. My prodigal is going to make a U-turn and come back and be restored and fulfill their God-given destiny. Nothing can stop it. I rebuke the devil and I loose the power of God. And I will not, under any circumstance, become weary or discouraged in this battle. Now let me give you this last thing and we'll dismiss here. God told me that if you become weary and discouraged, then the power of your words and your prayers over your prodigals will begin to diminish. That was sobering for me. So we cannot and you cannot afford to become weary or discouraged because in due season, we shall reap if we do not faint. So let's all say it. In due season, I will reap. I have the harvest. I will not become weary. Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed. Have an awesome rest of the day.